Oh, you're welcome back to Tip Today. John Connors from Bursley wrote a well-received book on the life of Sean Hogan of Doc Long's uh, Rescue Fame, which was published in uh, 2019. Now, in the intervening years, the author has been quietly studying and researching into the life of Hogan's comrade, the great Dan Breen. Now, uh, John joins me in studio. Good morning to you, John. And to begin with, congratulations to you, because this is an incredible piece of work. Uh, thanks, Fran, and I appreciate that. Uh, people thought I've gone missing for the last number of years. But I've been quietly nibbling away at different places and gathering my research, and now it's yeah. coming to fruition. And what what a piece of research! You, you did hesitate, John, to write the story. Why? I did, Fran, because I I felt it was enough written. You know, we went through the archives, we went through the pension files, we went through the newspaper archives, military statements, biographies, autobiographies, and I, I just said, what more can be written? You know, what can be what can be added to it? Now. I didn't kind of really set out to do this, only I, I submitted to a little bit of, uh, I suppose, um, gentle persuasion. And um, I, I finally consented to it. But in the, middle, in the middle of it all, Fran, it just felt like abandoning the whole project because I, I wasn't making any real progress, you know. Um, and there's just something that always stuck in my mind about a book I gave to an uncle of mine. Mm. And... Uh, you know, after two weeks, I went back and said, "Well, well, Sean, what do you think of that?" He said, "Got to lovely." He said, "But sure," he said, "I read it all. I read all that in other books." So I did what anybody said. That's to, about to me. say that. Well, there's no way. There's no way they could say that about this book because I, I think it's incredible. But where does it leave his memoir, "My Fight for Irish Freedom," John? Uh, I sum up his memoir and his second statement to the Bureau of Military History like this: um, He didn't write either of them. Uh, Chrissy Doherty, uh, Seamus Doherty wrote, uh, wrote um, the, the, the book. Mm. Um, I would believe the father Colin Kill Conway, Clamell man, that wrote uh, the, the second uh, statement to the Bureau of Military History. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm fairly certain of that. But, but, but of course, I'm sure about uh, Chrissy Doherty. Yes. And I'm fairly certain about the. the, the and, the, and again, yeah. this will surprise a lot of people yeah. too, you know? But I go further than that. I don't think he actually read them either leave alone a writing them because surely he would have made some effort you know to correct, to correct you know yeah. you know stuff that's blatantly wrong you know and 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 then you know I, I projected an image of a man that that didn't exist the myth the, the myth, myth. That that's really, the myth yeah. you know yeah. that's that's the, the you know that's part of the title of my book you know the myth behind the man mm. so you, you know so, so I believe then what's happened is, you know, that a public perception was created. Mm. You know, the hero was created. And, you know, we mm. temporary people, we like our heroes. Of course, you yes. Know. But he did perpetrate that himself too, didn't he? Oh, he certainly you know. didn't. Uh, he didn't discourage yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He, he did not discourage it, you know. And, you know, in his life, in his later life, he, he you know. And and consequently, Fran, an image of Dan Breen has filtered down into public perception that has been adopted by both his, his admirers and his detractors alike. Mm. That I believe, and that my book, I believe, will reveal, is very far from the truth. So, uh, the, the revelation in the book, as far as I can see from it, correct me if I'm wrong, he's a much more complex man than, than we might have given him credit for. Complex, uh, contradictory, uh, controversial when it suited him, and certainly colourful. Mm. Um, Perhaps a degree of doctor on the stage, you know, and uh, like I said, that that image created then had to live up to that, you know. Mm. And not only could the man be contradictory, but he could be very contradictory in the course of one day. Yes. 
yeah. you know. So, and again, friend, maybe this is not unusual. Like, um, I approach history from this from this um, sense. Like, when I began this, I suppose I would say maybe I didn't have maybe the most charged view of Dan Brian. Mm. I mm. felt like his book, you know, was written to the exclusion of of other people. Yes. But, you yeah. know, you could say yeah. that you could, you know. When I began to research, I got to like the man I did, but um, you know, life itself. You know, life in general does not happen at the extremes. You know, not mm. all of life. Mm. Like, like we say in, in sport, it's played the middle toward. Yes. And that's where most of life happens. And that's where most of Dan Breen's life happened. You know, so what has happened is this. And this, this, this is something I suppose that, you know, I've spoke to a friend about, you know, my memories of 1966 and the commemoration mm. of the Ryzen, the insatiable desire for heroes. Yes. You know, and then... You know, no shortage of candidates willing to step up at that pedestal. Course, yes. You know, this is the country we wanted at the yes. time. Uh, we, we're looking at it differently now, thank God. Uh, we look at, but, but with all of these things, you know, it is easy to demonise your opponent and it is easy to sanctify the person that's not. But there is a ground that I search for, and that's that territory, which I call understanding, to attach understanding to individuals, what they've done, their motivations. You know, and I find that I find that a, a more uh, joyful adventure than the simplicity of condemnation or whatever. You of, know, of or, course, or, yeah. So, other, so many. As I say, we're only going to scrape the surface today on this because the book. There's so much in in the book. A couple of surprises for me. He did, he wasn't at all fond of Irish America. In fact, he had very little time for Irish America. Very little time for Irish America. Uh, strangely enough, though, in 1929, when, you know, after losing his seat and yeah. being yeah. rejected by divorce to Tipperary, his first port of call was America. Was America, America yeah. But again, the contradictions. Uh, yes, ran. but he, he thought they supported the Brits as far as he was concerned and oh, they, yes. they played no part in, in the War of Independence. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And, you know, we say, oh, the Paris Peace Conference. Yeah. And, yeah. Which, of course, goes to show another side that people don't suspect or don't maybe wish to acknowledge, like, those views are educated views. You know, uh, like, um, England was my enemy, uh, America was the friend of my enemy. But uh, it, it was, you know, like Woodrow Wilson and the Paris Peace Conference, you know, that, that helped him to... That's education to come to those conclusions. Yes. And he was, he was pretty adamant about that. And, of course... Um, uh, so adamant about it, was not too willing to to um, change his mind to on that. His mind on it, indeed, you um, Salahed. We have to talk about Salahed because, again, yeah. I mean, you know, the shooting of the policeman was that premeditated? Yeah. Uh, were, were they just collateral damage, as they might say yeah. nowadays? But again, two very different, you know, yeah. views from Breen on that. Yes, yeah. In my fight for Irish freedom, they were brave Irishmen too. Yes. Uh, in the subsequent statements, witness statements, uh, you know, there were, you know, it was premeditated. We wanted to start a war. Yeah. Like, I'm very skeptical about this thing. We wanted to start a war. You know, um, like when did, when did that period of uh, of trouble become known as a war, retrospectively? Yes. Now, uh, of course, there was that war, friend. I said, "Dear Royal Ireland, free," yeah. and. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be 
go and miss like you know, for somebody to say like I was the one who initiated I was the one that. Who started that. Yes, you know, yeah. and, no, but are you, you're skeptical though of the notion that the guys the, the, yeah. sat down and decided we have to go and we'll kill these two and therefore yeah. that will kick things yeah, off. Yeah, I'm very. You're skeptical about that. I'm very skeptical. About that, like there are other people at Solihull Beg that also give statements that, that would contradict that. Yeah. Tim Crow, for example, said that his mission was to uh, mind, you know, guard whatever prisoners were taken. Uh, uh, Seamus Roberts gave a similar statement, you know, but. Um, you know, in later life he went on and he gave you know pretty brutish, uh, mm. you know pretty brutish rhetoric about that. You know, like I put it in the context like of of uh, I look at it this way, Fran. Like Salihabeg happened in twenty on twenty first of January nineteen nineteen. When was the next significant thing to happen? It was May with the rescue of Hogan. Yes. Anything that happened yeah. in what was, what was retrospectively the War of Independence in the in the intervening period happened in North Tipperary. So. Like if 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 it was to begin a war, they were pretty slow getting off the blocks to 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 propagate that war, you know. So I think what happens, what happened is this. And this generally happens in life, you know. Uh, a firearm is discharged, you know. Inexperienced people, panic ensues, mm. you know. And it was all over in minutes. Mm. And mm. to you know probably the first. Not probably, certainly the first time outside of Seamus Robinson, just any of those men saw somebody uh, dead. Mm. You know, they were involved in that, into taking a life, you know, for the first time. So, you know, retrospectively then, you know, the stories are created. And, you know, where, do, where lies the truth? But I would believe, like, killing two policemen would not start a war. It might, uh, the, the season of explosives might uh, add to an arsenal that might facilitate us at a later date. But the actual killing of the policeman is itself. So, you, you know, where lies the truth, Fran, we don't know. You also speak about, the, well, from his point of view, um, the absence of recognition of the IRA military campaign yes. in 1919. Yes. Uh, and, and that is factual, isn't that's it? Fa- that's yeah. factual. Uh, they went to um, uh, Dublin and uh, they were offered safe passage to America yeah. by Mulcahy. And this is something that rankled with Brian all his life. Yeah. And he actually had traded harsh words with de Valera about this, he did, uh, when, he, when he printed his book, you know, and uh, when the book was printed, uh, I'd say, and, uh, you know, and he said, like, the general headquarters were not supportive of our, of our efforts. Now, de Valera, of course, being the politician, contested that, and there was a little bit of to and fro and independent... And uh, mm. and uh, it was it was settled. Uh, Kitty Doherty, his bi- his biographer, uh, she put it nicely. She said, she said, De Valera agreed to settle the matter. He said, he said, from his point of view, he was right. From Brantam Green's point of view, he was right. Yes. So uh, pr- pragmatism, frankly, I suppose that would uh, that would be a hallmark of both men's career th- throughout their life. Yeah, uh, a couple of interesting things I picked up on uh, as well, John. I mean, he's wound. He was he was wounded considerably over the years, wasn't yeah. he? There was no one. There was no one wounded more than Dan Breen in the War yeah. of Independence. You know, he was wo- yeah. wounded at Ashtown seriously and, and at Knock Long. And in the book, you considered the toll that took on him physically, but yeah. also mentally. Also mentally. You know, dominated his life, you know. And when he went to America, when he went to America, you know, he got treatment there. Then the whole sag began about getting compensation for that treatment when he came home. And, of course, that, you know, took on a life of its own, it did. But... um. You know, he was, and in 1961, 
uh, he uh, the, the general election. He contested. It was last time contested mm. election, and he did not canvass. And um, he um, sent a, a letter, you know, to the, the, the papers in Tipperary, and uh, he had his index. The index figure of his right hand was amputated. No, but I was a bit skeptical about this, Fran. Because uh, what would the index finger of his right hand be? Only the finger uh, that pulled the, the trigger of the revolver that laid many a fictitious black and tan low. Yes, yeah. But uh, it was true. It was true. You know. So he did. And you know, and he was. Uh, he, he had a mm. row with um, uh, Willem O'Brien outside mm. Hayes' Hotel in in Torles, You know, and, and he wrote to a friend of his, Tom Ford, a member of the Labour Party. O'Brien was a member of the Labour Party, and he didn't want to be falling out with any of these fellas. He didn't. You know, mm. he, Dan Reeves an amicable kind of man. You know, he, he liked friendships and he, he appreciated good friendships. But uh, he wrote to Forn, you know, to, could, he, could he settle this thing? He said, uh, uh, I was after taking dope. That was a painkiller he was taking. He referred to it as dope. Yes. He, said, he, said, he said, when I take dope, he says, I'm so contrary, I'd even fight with myself. <laughs> so, so, but but yeah, you know, yeah, these yeah. were issues of his... Of course, these were issues yeah. that dominated And I know him. we're jumping back and forth there, but what I, the other thing I found very interesting that he said that, you know, within Fianna the Fall, he, he he had very few friends. He had a lot of... And, and particularly I was taken with the story about Michael Davern. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What I thought before that was very interesting was uh, in in his biography, uh, uh, Cormac Brannock, you know, Mm. the the man who instilled that spirit of nationalism, he taught us a version of history, and you know, in 1944... He's his teacher. Yes, Brannock was uh, in Dublin, uh, chairman of the the, the INTO, Mm. Fianna Fáil TD, but he was a Cormac Brannock now, he was Charlie Welch, and uh, Charlie Welch... um, uh, uh, an Irish schoolmaster uh, speaks Irish and drinks Irish whiskey, but more than useless. Very damning. Very and concisely so. The to and fro with, with Davern's so interesting. And I'm just wondering, you know, like, like, what did Davern do only maybe contest who would head the well, poll in South Tipperary? That's what it was. But, but yeah. the, the demnity was... Oh, my God, was, yeah. And I just wonder, was, was, was Michael Davern aware of this even? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, these were things, friend, that, you know, like that with John Nash and the landscape fair, which I've written, written about too pretty extensively. These were things that dominated his life. And, and, and you know, from his writings, actually overwhelmed him. You know what? Uh, you know, and do you put that down to that he was emotionally damaged over the years? That these became obsessive almost with Yes, d- d- yeah, yeah. D- these yeah. were, you know, and, um, and then, Fran, you know, again, you know, coming from that background, and this is something I've studied quite a bit, you know, like nobody walks away from debt and conflict and mm, war killing. unaffected. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and someone like Dan Breen, like a, a countryman, like you probably see there, like in, in the pages, Fran, his love of nature. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he was so concerned in the winter of '46 that the birds were starved. Yeah, you know, that he know. wanted the family to cook more potatoes yeah. to feed the birds. You know, a man like that loves life, and you can't love life without love, loving human life. You know, so it must take a toll on it you. It does. And, yeah, and you see as well, Fran. Like with other instances, like you know, like the friendship with Cosgrave, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he met a, a Stuart, an artist, Stuart Bellingham, who faced him at Ashton and 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 um, Fernside, and the, the, the two of them had a very 
nice uh, get together. Yeah. You know, so he wasn't a man as such that harvested uh, MC. Yeah. And no. he was very quick to say, of course, he loved Michael Collins, but he hated the treaty. Yes. He loved yes. Collins. Though. Yes. You know. Um, you know, I suppose one of the. Like, whenever I would talk about Dan Breen in the future, like, I would always talk about his attitude towards the Civil War. Mm. Now, he hasted the treaty. And maybe if the rhetoric was torn down a little bit in the early days, mm. you know, maybe it would have. Mm. Two have changed it. Now, having said that, Fran, uh, De Valera and the railway station in Torres and Cosgrave, railway station in Kilkenny, you know, Michael Collins in the debates in the door, Seamus Robinson, everyone could have torn down the rhetoric mm. a little bit. Mm. But the civil war was his greatest, um, I suppose, it was his greatest regret. Was it? Yeah. 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 You know, and that was right up until, you know, up, up until... He's late, you know, his last years. You know. Was he an alcoholic, John? Um, now, his associates an alcoholic, I suppose, with somebody who drinks day and night. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose, I suppose an alcoholic is a person who's, you know, you know drinking is unmanageable for mm. them. Drinking mm. is problematic. Now, I would say in this sense he was, that he had the foresight to remain abstinent from drink for, for long periods of time, mm. you know, and he could recognise the damage to do to him. And uh, he recognised I couldn't function fully uh, and properly, you know, but they have consumed too much mm. alcohol. Now, the early tortures were a very volatile time in his life, and he was involved in a number of, um, you know, pretty um, extreme incidents, mm. you know, where guns were drawn and yeah. all of that. Now, uh, maybe you could argue too, like in all of those instances, Dan Breen's gun was, was not the only gun that was drawn. But, but, <laughs> I remember Des Hannafin telling me some amazing <laughs> yes. stories about that, but anyway, yeah. But yeah. but but the adoption of the revolver, I suppose, mm. the, the adoption of the threat of the revolver was was something he, he held dear. Um, that, that was a volatile time in his life, it was. Mm. I, I would say the gambling, Fran, was a bigger issue. Was it, yeah. I would. Yeah. And um, just, I'd give you... Give you an example, just by you know, to your listeners, to, to just give a little context to what was going on at the time. Um, Pat McCartan, Dr. Pat McCartan, uh, who was, I suppose, in the, in the first de facto minister for foreign affairs, himself and Dan Bream were very good friends. And in 1924, they intended to go to America to visit the old Fiend and uh, McGarrity, Joe, Joe McGarrity. And McCartan wrote to McGarrity a letter of apology that he couldn't go, that himself and Dan Breen couldn't go, that uh, they backed the wrong horses. And it, it just McCartan said casually in the letter, in the letter he says, in one day, he says, we were down to the tune of £300. Now, in 1924, was a, a primary money. school teacher was earning £62 a year. Right. So that would give you a context too. The, you know. So it was... Uh, the man had absolutely no management of money, uh, because outside of that, he was generous. He was generous to everyone. Mm. You know, he looked mm. after people. He did, and you know. And, so, uh, so. You know. See, would you clear up for me something? Was he an atheist, John? No, no. Uh, but, but certainly on Christmas Day of nineteen forty-four, he wasn't, because himself, his wife, and two children, they went to mass in Rat Mines, and they said for the second mass. So, well, uh, of course, where family is concerned, you know, maybe. That could be for a quiet life. Um, he wasn't an atheist, he wasn't. He was mischievous, he was. Mm, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he'd done an interview with the Ward magazine, the religious magazine, the Ward, and uh, in 1968. 
and he told uh, whoever was interviewing him that he didn't believe in God in an afterlife in heaven, hell or any, that kind of nonsense. That initiated deluge of letters to his to nursing home in Kilcrowney, you know, pleading me to go back to the fate of his fathers and all of that. And, and for some reason he did. Had he even begun in the first place, I don't know. Mm, but for some yeah, reason, yeah. anyway, whatever. He said uh, a, a kindly old canon from uh, Blackrock College, uh, the parish of, I forget, that was a canon Redmond. Mm. He came and he heard his confession. And Brian said, I didn't have much to tell him, which would be kind of a little bit of variance with the man who was supposed to have killed all these people. But anyway, he didn't have much to tell him that day. But um, he... Um, uh, he made the public that he had come back to the the, the, the Catholic faith, and of course, then the the, the letters of congratulation came. You know, and had quite an amount of them. And you know, so was, was he playing people? Was he? Yeah. Now, if he wanted to, if he wanted to uh, broadcast his his supposedly atheism, like would he be better off to do it in the Irish Times than in <laughs> the World Magazine? <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah. on his return to the to the good old faith, he. Um, He'd done an interview with the Evening Herald, with Desmond Rush and the Evening Herald, and Rush asked him, um, you know, now that you're back to the fate of your father and mother and the fate of dear old Ireland, uh, are you happy? He mm. said, I am, he said, but he said, I wasn't really unhappy before that either. So, <laughs> you know... Make, make I, I read, will of that, yeah. yeah. I would read, you know, the, the yeah. mischievous... Um, and uh, uh, the other thing to start with, taking credit for killings as well. Yeah. And I'm thinking, have I the right name? Is it Potter? Was, was it? Yes, yes. In, in, in North Tipperary, I think, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Care. Care. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that was yeah. a care, yeah. Potter, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, he took credit for that killing, yes. but, but yeah. I don't think he killed him. No, he? no, he had no. no you know, we talk about barrack attacks. We said the, the attack on the, the, the barracks in Hollyford, the attack on the barracks mm. in Drangan. And most... The, you know, in his biography, his his dear centrally involved. Most of us would say that he wasn't. Yeah. You know, but uh, I don't know. Like, you know, there are only all accounts. Like, and uh, you know. Yes. But, but again, one, was this building the myth? John? Yes. Was yes. That it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, one person's account is as fictitious as another's. Yeah. You know, yeah. or, you know, and the passage of time can do these things. But but, but how was ever with the killing of Potter, the second statement to the Bureau of Military History immerses him in that in a central role. Now, the, the killing of Potter, uh, Potter was taken... taken just, just remind us about Potter, just in terms uh, yes, of who he uh, was. Uh, mm. He was a, a district inspector in, uh, mm. stationed in Cair, and uh, between Cair and Clahean, uh, an, uh, an ambush party, they, they took him prisoner. And he was, he was kept captive, and the plan was to exchange him for a, a man called Thomas Trainer, who was under sentence of death in Mount Jai Prison. So that did not happen, and when when a uh, trainer was exec uh, executed, uh, Potter was taken out and shot. Now, in the meantime, his captives had got very fond of Potter because he was a nice, decent man, mm, you know. Mm. And uh, his, his execution was a botched, botched affair. One of the men, one of the men who went to kill him, shot himself in his, his own tie, you know. Denny uh, Lacey, apparently, uh, administered a coup de grace, uh, you know. So, it wasn't something that would sh shroud anybody in glory. Mm, mm. But at that, that second statement, like, you know, it immerses Dan Breen centrally in that, which, and he wasn't there. Mm. Because in the Civil War, I would sum up Dan Breen's contribution, like this, Fran. He came late, he went home early. Yes. And, and that was one of the places where that happened. You know, the, the facts bear that out. You know. That's interesting. He, his family life then, he's related, and particularly, I suppose, his wife, Bridget, who, uh, there's a whole story in that lady, just 
on their own. A whole story, not? Fran. A yeah. whole story. And, you know, I've dealt with it pretty, I think, pretty comprehensively. And I hope pretty sympathetically. Yes, too, I think you have, yeah. understanding. Yeah. You know, again, uh, unlike her husband, uh, Bridget Malone, married Dan Brian, uh, she was involved in 1916 yeah. with her sister. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty actively involved. And, uh, you know... At the, at the height of the conflict, you know, a month before the truce, a month before a truce that nobody thought would come, uh, they got married. So, you know, like, would that spell dif- dysfunction before? Mm. You know, like, I would imagine that on the, you know, the 11th of June of 19, uh, 1921, mm. that Dan, Dan Breen's prospects, you know, would... You know, in front of a firing squad or at the end of a hangman's yeah, rope. Yeah. But, but yet they got married, they did. You know, and, you know, did she get married to the, you know, to the illusion? To the myth or the man, yeah. To the myth or the man. Yeah. And, but, you know, you know, as time went on, you know, you know, the marriage didn't work out. Um, you know, from... He, he remained fond of her, though, didn't he? And he, in fact, he advocated for her as the years went on. Um, now, of course, where money matters were concerned, Fran, Dan Breen had no enemies. Yes. You know, and she was pretty badly treated mm. in common with most women before the pensions board, yeah. and uh, and and she was a pretty active lady. You know, whatever faults or fails it might have had, she was a pretty active lady, and and herself and her sister and very upright people in that struggle for independence mm. at that time. But uh, with um, uh, when she wasn't getting her just desserts from the pensions board, you know, then. Whatever, whatever difficulties were there, put aside, and mm. he wrote a pretty stern letter. Uh, he wrote, he wrote um, uh, to O'Sullivan, the, the chairman of the pensions board, wrote directly to him and to uh, Judge Tom O'Donnell, mm. and more or less uh, taught him, like you know, that um, in no uncertain in terms, no uncertain yeah, terms, yeah, look yeah. after this woman, like yeah, look yeah, after yeah. this woman. Yeah. I think. Can I ask you before be, before yeah. we wrap up because yeah. what was the biggest surprise for you in the research, John? Is that a, an unfair question? No. No, uh, there was a lot. There was a lot of surprises. I think the love he had for his son and daughter. Right. You know. You know, like just say my own upbringing, friend. You know, my age, my vintage. Like uh, just say my own house, for example. The only time I ever had maybe the love, the word love mentioned, but you know, my mother or father may say, but somebody loved drink. You know, <laughs> something like that. You know, it wasn't. Yes. People didn't talk. Yes, it wasn't you know? a personal thing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but like you know. He signed his letters, you know, to his son and daughter. All, all, all my love, Daddy. Yes. You yeah. know, I thought it was something very, you know... And as you said, Daddy, which is yeah. a very yeah. sort of a cosy yes. thing. Yes, yeah. you know, yeah. like, his love of nature, yeah. you know, that he'd be feeding the birds, you know, and, you know, he's concerned about them, you know. And, you know, even in the nursing home, like, what's, what's like, what's his friend? With the real Dan Breen's... Dan Breen, please stand up. Yeah. You know, and these were the surprises that came to me. Now, surprise in this sense, but in another sense, not fan, because um, the life that's given there for public consumption mm. is one thing, you yeah. know, but it's not life, it's not. And the other thing that surprised me, or really struck me more than surprised me, you know, at one stage he wrote a letter uh, to his son. Uh, he was in the Matter Hospital, and I can count all the cracks in the seal, and I can count can crown all the cracks in the wall. Nobody should live beyond 65. Life was miserable. Two weeks after the newspaper archives had been faced in Carmelis, uh, uh, yes. the fall rally. Yes. So, so, yeah. like, mm. what was what was real and what was 
and the pub what was on stage well, that's what makes the book up yeah. absolutely yeah. fantastic. The official launch is in Ballycastine. It's uh, November 10th, I November think. 10th. Is it? November yeah. 10th. And everybody's welcome along to, Every, to, to that. Everybody welcome, Fran. Very final question. At the end of it all, John, did you like him? I started off, uh, Fran, like with my issues about him. I felt he, he projected himself to the detriment of others or to the neglect mm. of others. Yeah. Writing the book, I got to like him at it. You know maybe my own mad life you know throughout my years maybe I could identify quite a bit with him yeah, yeah. Uh, of course then when I went to proofreading and spelling and spell check and fellas arguing over where a comma should go and meeting deadlines <laughs> I, I think I nearly got to dislike him a bit again but um, yes. you know but look Fran what I have there you know I, I hope it will um, I, I hope this Fran like for those who have used his name to, to, for nefarious purposes, yes. to, to, to glorify bloodshed, to glorify the taking of human life, and his name has been used too much in that regard. I hope that the other side I will reveal, you know, his efforts around the Civil War, his personal relationships, that yes. that's the Dan Breen that we should celebrate. And it's and called Dan Breen, The Myth and the Man, and very yeah. finally, because I'm, I'm yeah. way over time, as I said, but I, I have to put this to you as well. Are you prepared for people to take you to task for some of what's in this book, John? Um... Uh, uh, I hope, uh, uh, I, I hope a week after the, the book is launched that I'll be looking for a safe house like this. <laughs> In this sense, I hope that his detractors will say I wasn't half hard enough for me. Right. And his admirers will say I was too hard on him. And if that happens, I feel I've done a good job. Well, I think you've done a great job because you managed to have a scholarly work extremely yeah. readable and well yeah. done to you, yeah. John. Thank Thanks, you very Fran. much Thanks. indeed. Dan Please Breen, The Myth and the Man by John Connors and that official launch on the 10th of November in lovely Ballycastine. Thanks very much indeed, John. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced Ali looks after her content. Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel and I will speak to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves and happy Halloween. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.